Welcome to the All Football Podcast. I'm Josh McSwain, here with my co-host AJ Torres. We got another good episode for you. We're going to talk some Premier League, talk some news from the XFL, and then some NFL, the weekend that was in the wild card round, and look ahead to the division round. We're going to start across the pond this week with a result that I was not expecting a few months ago. But alas, I'm happy about. Manchester United has now made their way to the top of the Premier League table when they were 15th after losing 1-0 to Arsenal on November 1st. United has not lost a game since then and has seen Liverpool kind of dip into rather ordinary-looking form as they lost 1-0 to Southampton this past week and have drawn recently with West Brom, who is currently in a relegation battle, and with Newcastle United, who is 15th and only 7 points ahead of 18th place Fulham. Liverpool has had some health issues throughout the year, but alas, their slump has cost them. Their last win actually came... On December 19th, with a 7-0 slaughtering of Crystal Palace. But since then, like I mentioned, they have two points in their last three matches. And United, with their surge, has overtaken them. And Manchester City, as well, has won four matches in a row. And is now in third place with 32 points. One behind Liverpool with a, a match in hand. It's only fitting that on Sunday, United and Liverpool will clash at Anfield to determine who will remain at the head of the league. Liverpool, with three points, would draw even with United's 36 points, but with a better goal differential, would take the top spot on the table. With a victory or a draw, United would maintain the top spot. Another performer we need to keep our our eyes on right now is Arsenal. They have also won three matches in a row, starting with their 3-1 win on Boxing Day over Chelsea. They then defeated Brighton and then beat West Brom and have now risen from 15th place up to 11th. They also now have a positive goal differential at plus one, And so they could be making a push now to overtake the teams immediately ahead of them, Aston Villa, Chelsea, and West Ham, who all have 26 points. But back to the match this week between England's most bitter rivals, Man United and Liverpool. I'm really just feeling a 1-1 draw in this game. We have David De Gea playing like the man we used to see with United only conceding one goal in their last four Premier League matches. Make that their last three Premier League matches, as four would get them to their 2-2 draw with Leicester. But anyway, that's playing well. Eric Bailly getting in the starting lineup at center back has really done well for them. It's just all going to depend on whether United can keep their goal scoring alive it was a very late winner for them against Wolves a few matches ago 
Got two in the victory over Villa and just one in the victory this week over Burnley. I don't anticipate a barrage of scoring in this one, so a 1-1 draw seems most fitting for me. What's on your radar from across the pond, AJ? All right, so I got my The Athletic article today, so... I will ask you a simple of uh, stop right here or pass, keep it forward. So, all right, across the pond, we got City make it to seven in a row with win over Brighton. Seven in a row, you mean seven unbeaten? Seven in a row with win over Brighton. With the, uh, let's see... They get 2-0 at home, move out one point behind second place Liverpool with game in hand. Pass or stop right there? I'm just trying to figure out exactly what you mean with this. Because right now, they have not lost in their last eight matches. They have six victories and two draws in that stretch. Their last loss was... 2-0 to Tottenham on November 21st. But, yeah. Obviously... Is there the team a threat right now? Oh, they definitely are. They're a team that can put up an absolute barrage of goals. Just ask Burnley, who they scored five on after that, and scored three on Chelsea a couple weeks ago. Thing is, now they can also win low scoring games like the beat Brighton 1 0, beat Southampton 1 0. And Southampton's doing respectably this year. They're currently in seventh place. But yeah, I think we all knew that City was going to surge at some point after languishing in the mid table for most of the first couple months of the season. Keep it moving. All right. Leeds match against Southampton postponed. Stop right there or pass? Let's keep it moving. All right. Let's see. Ez will be fine but not dropped by Palace for COVID-19 breach. Pass or keep it moving? I'm sorry. Stop or keep it moving? I really don't want to address any more news related to the virus so let's keep moving women's fa cup to remain suspended that's interesting it says it right here the women's fa cup will remain suspended during the third national lockdown after the fa postponed the second and third round fixtures last month clubs at those levels are not classed as quote-unquote elite and therefore unable to train or play matches during lockdown the FA said it is not a position where the second and third rounds can be played, so the competition will remain paused. And that's all I have. Oh, boy. As far as, far as that goes, I mean, that that is very blunt and also very vague. To me, that's terrible. Yeah. It seems like they just don't want to say that... They're not making money off of this. 
I think most people figure that's the case, but... Yeah, they're not going to come out and say something like that. Okay. I mean, it also is kind of a slap in the face to... You know... All of the athletes, because there's a lot of talented players in the women's oh, competition. I mean, and, you have... and they gotta they gotta be on board, and it's also difficult because without the competition around, right? Now, just remember, these are just as much athletes as everybody else. They, they gotta are. remain in shape. They gotta have trainers. They gotta have routines and. You know, depending on, you know, how they could work out, how they could exercise and still be safe. It's just brutal. Like, I mean, heck, here in America, there's places where there's been whistleblowers for a guy using a high school field to run sprints. We don't know what it's like over there. I mean, we're Americans and we don't know the exact policy over there. But it's just, it's tough and I feel for them. Yeah. And you also have some Americans that could get caught up in that mess because Tobin Heath plays for the women's Manchester United team. Sam Mewis, I believe, is with Man City. Alex Morgan's not with Tottenham anymore. She might have gotten out just in time. But anyway. Probably so. It's just All right, so next. really weird why it's the women, oh, we can't do this. But men, oh yeah, you can keep going. It's yes. just really it, weird it, for it me. It does suck that there's going to be... It sucks that there's that border. I mean, I mean, we've seen it, and I, I hate to say this, right? But as far as, uh, you know, women's soccer, I feel like those rules apply more to them than they do the men. Like, uh, I remember years ago after... Uh, after the American uh, women's uh, victory, how uh, she celebrated by trolling everybody, doing the uh, the pinky up, drinking the tea. Yep, I remember that. Well, there's been uh, plenty of men that stormed the pubs, uh, drunk out of their mind and saying stupid things, and they laughed, celebrated, and gave hurrahs. Or they booed him. But yet, somehow, a lady does it, and it's wrong. Terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. I think across the pond they're going to have to work on some things. It's just a matter of time. Yeah, I mean, there's a history of bad behavior associated with football over there. It was worse decades ago when you had hooliganism at its peak over there. <sighs> Basically, oh, picture goodness. an entire country of Raiders fans. Okay. So they beach up over in the parking lot over ladies' soccer? Maybe not wow, for the ladies, but for the for the men, definitely. Okay, that's an egregious stereotype. I know that's only <laughs> I know it's only a, a small portion of P of Raiders fans that do that kind of stuff, but and, l- you just listen, gotta we got it. we gotta go out on somebody because here's the deal. If you remember the Eagles fans was the first uh, football stadium with a gel cell. They used to boo more than they cheered. But after winning the Super Bowl, they toned it down. And let's give them credit where it's due, right? Right. 
Maybe it could be relatable to the Bills because they're still fighting each other in the parking lot, even though there's only like 6,000 people that are able to go to the playoff game recently. Maybe. Anyway, let's keep it moving. All right. Uh, let's see. United's Timothy Fosu Mensa joins Bayer Leverkusen. Completed a 1.8 million uh, Quinn transfer, and it is uh, complete. Okay, yeah, I saw him play a few times. He seemed like a promising young guy, but he just never got consistent enough playing time. So I hope with Leverkusen that he does get a chance to play and show what he's got. Let's keep it moving. All right, that's all I got. So what do you got from here? Okay, now we're coming back across the pond and we're going to talk a little XFL today. Saw this story a couple days ago, some of you might have too, that suddenly the league was in, the NFL was involved in a lawsuit over the Houston Roughnecks logo. So, for those who may not be familiar with it, when the XFL launched last spring, they... One of their teams was the Houston Roughnecks, and they had a logo of an oil drill that had a a red H and then had some white additions that made it look more like a drill with a red star at the top. Now, from the very beginning, people were saying that this looked very similar to the old Houston Oilers logo. But nothing ever really happened. They were allowed to to play and no fuss was made. But now the National Football League and the Tennessee Titans have filed opposition against the XFL that it was too similar to the old Oilers logo. I'm just like, how does this come up now? Well, I do think that... Uh... Now, I've actually done uh, some uh, law classes myself, and what really makes this difficult is it is associated with a professional sport. Like for, like, for instance, if this was just like a piece of artwork or if this was an oil company, let's say, I think they would pay no mind to it, to be completely honest with you. But since this is being considered as a quote-unquote alternative to the NFL, as they put it, which, let's just be honest, let's just call it as is, football is football. Can we do that? I mean, that's really what it is. This is really what this is all about. Not that, oh, I prefer this better. Football is football. But I'm going by this, and essentially I'm seeing the same shape Except that the structure, one is wider than the other. The top has a star, one doesn't. This actually has a strong case as far as being too similar. Now, whether if that trademark, if you know what I mean. Now, if that trademark is still in place and still underneath ownership of the NFL. Because if, uh, do you remember when uh, we talked about the Washington football team uh, name debacle? We've done that plenty of times, I think. Do you remember Which... that quack job that filed for like 50 trademarks or whatever? Yeah, I remember that. 
Well, essentially, there's X amount of time that you can keep that, and if you don't decide to re-sign it, it's up for grabs and somebody else can take that. Mm-hmm. So that's just really how it goes. So my only thought is, does the NFL, right, doesn't have to be, uh, you know, anything related to the, you know, the Texans or the Titans or, you know, just the NFL in general. Does any professional sports team still have this trademarked? If they do, we do have a lawsuit on our hands, and I think that there could be things worked out. I'm not saying, oh, pay X amount of dollars or, hey, this is what we're going to do here. This could be worked out civilly. Something can change with it. But if there's no trademark intact by the NFL, I don't see why not. So there's a couple of details we lack here, at least from everything I've gathered. Right. It does make you wonder how it's going to go when the XFL returns next spring, and if Dwayne Johnson is going to want to put up with this type of mess. Even though I think he has the power and the assets to win this case, there's just kind of comes down to where it's one of those annoying things where you just kind of go, oh, you really doing this? Yeah, that's a really good point. There's so many starving artists out there that could probably blow you away with something. Yeah, it's true. I mean, how far does this go? I mean, you look at... Those Bears throwback helmets, they look exactly like the University of Michigan. I don't see any lawsuit over that. Or do you see the Green Bay Bay Packers, are they going to sue the University of Georgia for the G within the oval? Like, or what about University of Alabama? I got a good one for you. What about the University of Alabama? They could sue Washington football team for the numbers on the helmets. Like, at a certain point, <laughs> this is ridiculous. Like, you can't have everything look entirely unique. It's just impossible. Yes, absolutely. And at insult to injury, my girlfriend at the time, she attended the same school that was trying to have the NHL sway away from the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Mm-hmm. They were the St. Rose Golden Knights. And if you look at the logo, I thought it was the same damn thing. And I'm like, okay. Now, they actually had a good thing to think about because I'll just give it to you straight. In the city of Albany, there are a lot of schools that are better and or cheaper. And that school is in a dire financial crisis. And let me tell you something. She knew about it. And mind you, scholarships matter with this. Attraction. They are deep in the hole. And they are a co-ed school now. Before they were an all-ladies school. Now they're a co-ed. And, you know, there's all this mess, right? So Mm -hmm. I'm thinking that they're trying to get compensation for this. Now, mind you, the NFL tries to pinch any money amount where they can. This is, uh, you know, equipment. This is having a, you know, an NFL team logo on someplace. Like, they even have the logos. Like, you pay a couple bucks extra to have the team logo on Gillette Razors, for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. 
And mind you, they find these players these small amounts of money, but if you nickel and dime, it ends up being a lot of money. Like A.J. Brown said, uh, he goes, hey, whoever catches this ball from this touchdown, I hope you enjoy it. It cost me like ten grand. I mean, those fines add up, and, orig- and eventually it goes back to the NFL. Right. All these fines, you, you know, you just nickel and dime and everything else. I mean, I think this could just be another uh, cash grab for the NFL potentially. Like, what happens if we if they go to the XFL and they're like, hey, Dwayne, you got money? Tell you what, I'm going to uh, write a dollar amount on a piece of paper, fold it in half, slide this across the table. You say yes or no. Basically make this a settlement. Yeah, I some mean, have said it could, it could be one. It could be one done. Just be like, hey, pack some amount of dollars. It's yours. Fine. We don't care. We just want money. Possibly, some have said that a settlement in this case is more likely, and the XFL at the moment has until February sixth to file its response about this whole situation. We will keep you updated on how this pans out. But now let's move on to the... The pain is out. (laughs) Yes. Oh, the pain. Ah, the pain. Killing me. Yes. I knocked my teeth out again. Yep. Now moving on to the NFL. Before we get into the playoff games, we're going to give you some news that surprises absolutely nobody. And that's that Doug Peterson was fired after his move to bench Jalen Hurts and play Nate Sunfeld in the fourth quarter of a tight game backfired. Gee, who could have seen this coming? I don't know. Anybody. Well, my thought is really this, and tell me if you agree on this, Tex. If he did not, weeks ago, get the vote of confidence from the G. I forgot if it was the GM or the owner, but somebody made a statement saying Peterson is being retained for next year. And if that wasn't said, I don't think he would have made that move. Because the reason why he lost his job, and I remember hearing the port saying, listen, he's going to have to say something good to the owner and figure out the plan for next year or he's gone. But if you think about it, at least half of that locker room Now, mind you, this is a big locker room. This isn't uh, basketball or this isn't even baseball. You have that 53-man roster plus the practice squad. You have all these guys here, and at least half of them lost your respect. So you are going to pull the 2021 Bill O'Brien if you stayed around, but instead they're going to switch bases switch tactics, and get another guy in there who's more confident and, quite frankly, won't be stupid. I mean, how the quarterback situation is going to pan out is another thing, but you can't do a move like that. You play to win the game, and those guys played their hearts out and wanted to win. When, even though they said it was bound to happen or dependent on this, they're like, dude, we want to win this. We we want to beat these guys. We don't, you know, it's just the heart. All the struggle that they had this year, they're like, hey, let's end this on a good note. 
Yeah, and let's knock the team that we're playing against out of the postseason. You don't think that motivates guys? Of course it does. Absolutely it does. I mean, we're athletes. We're competitive. So every time we're, you know, these athletes are going, are you tanking? When some guys say, oh, yeah, we are, maybe that's because he's embarrassed. But there's some of these guys that tell you absolutely not. You know, it's like, hey, my contract's going up. I want to play. I want to get paid. And there's some guys are just like, you know what, man? I want to win. That's why I'm here. I want to win. Right. I mean, if imagine a lot of that locker room wanted to win, and then, you know, are they ever, were they ever going to trust Peterson again after that? Probably not. And so it's very yeah. hard to because you're telling me that essentially you moved on from two quarterbacks. Now, granted, right? There's some guys, uh, I even said this, but there's a lot of guys from Worst Take, they don't remember like we do those, that, that last part of the era of the gunslingers, like uh, Matt Hasselbeck in his prime, uh, Ben Roethlisberger was like that, I mean, Philip Rivers in his prime when he was much younger. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was normal for a guy to throw two, for, for him to throw two interceptions a game. It was just how it goes. Right. We right. didn't have the emphasis on completion percentage that we do today. Yeah. I mean, you go nowadays, right? It's like, oh, he threw two picks yesterday. He's garbage. I mean, I kind of, if you look at the other numbers, right? Like, if he threw for like 350 yards, I can't call him garbage. But if he's like Dwayne Haskins, and it's like, okay, this guy barely scratched a hard yards and he had two picks. Okay. I get what you're saying. Different, different story, different category. It's just a different part of the game now, and it's just adjusting. But Carson yep. Wentz, obviously a lot of big money there, and then it just wasn't working. I think Jalen Hurts, uh, kind of like a Nick Foles thing, where it's like, you don't know if he's the better guy, but the offense looked great with him running the ship. And then here's yep. what, Sudfeld, I think his name is? Yep. Where it's like, you know what? We don't know because we didn't see enough. But everyone was so PO'd that we didn't even get to see a fair chance of it. Yeah, it's true. And what's more interesting is that Howie Roseman, the GM, is still there in Philadelphia. And I'm sure this was probably about him saving face he's got to be like all right we need a new head coach now and so here we are again know how that i just want to know how that meeting went like for example uh i don't think there's many times where the owner and uh the head coach are just face to face Obviously, outside for Bill O'Brien, because there's, you know, he was the head coach and general manager. Whereas, you know, I would think it's like, uh, hey, uh, come in, Doug. You know, it's like, hey, I'm I'm awake at this time. There's other guys here. It's like, hey, plead your case. We're gonna get together. Blah blah blah. I just wonder how that kind of went. Like, 
like there's always uh, different reports of like, oh, how long was it there for? Like, do you remember Jay Gruden getting fired from uh, Washington? And they're like, hey, uh, report into work at 5 a.m. I don't remember that, that exact story, no. Yeah, Jay Gruden was asked to come in at 5 a.m. And I'm pretty sure that he knew. And Scott Van Pelp said it the best. He goes, he was asked to go into work at 5 a.m. this morning. Eh, I'm turning off my phone. I'll see you at lunch. If you know you're getting fired, you might as well go out in style, right? You're not going to have a fighting chance. Everybody gave up on you. Mm-hmm. If you're leaving, guess what? I'm not getting up at the crack of dawn for that. Doug Peterson should have seen the writing on the wall, but there was too many people he would have to please. He would spend his entire offseason trying to apologize to these guys, and he would be lucky. Now, mind you, lost half the locker room. He would be lucky if half of those guys said, okay, I accept your apology. I have full confidence that they would tell him to go shove. Yeah, you're probably right. So anyway, Peterson probably won't be out of a job for long. I could see him becoming a part of Kansas City staff next year because we figure I that Eric not. B We figure Eric is going to be gone and Peterson was in Kansas City before taking the Philly job. So, yep. Patrick Mahomes meet your new boss. I hope not, but at the same time, uh, well, we should see. Although Eric Bieniemy, I heard uh, he's making some strong cases. Uh, I heard he had a very good interview uh, with a couple of teams. I heard uh, Robert uh, Sala was uh, having a lot of drinks with uh, Joe Douglas at a karaoke bar. <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> Anyways. Like, listen, if, if you're drinking with the guy and, uh, you know, that happens, I'm pretty sure you got the job. But I, I, I hope that I don't see that guy in Kansas City personally. But whatever happens, happens. I'm just going to let the chips fall where they fall. Yeah, the thing about it is he's an Andy Reid guy. And so I think Reid would probably be happy to bring him back. The other thing is... <clears throat> Reed is still in complete control of that team. He's designing yes. all the offense, and it's pretty much yes. just like, all right, you, the rest yes. of you offensive staff, you just have very specific things to do. You have one job. Don't mess it up. <laughs> Although, I'm kind of thinking about it. You know how, now mind you, there's three guys that are incomplete um, as far as the quote-unquote patriot way. And one of them wasn't a coach underneath Bill Belichick. He was a former player in uh, Rabel. Mm-hmm. I can't say anything about Coach Flo or uh, Coach Judge yet. But we've noticed that a lot of head coaches that were underneath the Bill Belichick uh, regime haven't done well. Have you noticed the same thing? Because you, Doug Peterson was an Andy Reid product, correct? Right, yeah. And so was Matt Nagy. Mm-hmm. So, mind you, some guys made it to Black Monday, which is, Black Monday is the Monday after the last uh, NFL regular season week. Mm-hmm. So, 
Peterson made it to Black Monday, but then it just got to, you know, media blew up a little bit, things died down, and then the owner goes, you know what, step in my office, and you know what happened. Maggie, it seems like they've been wanting him out of Chicago. The fans have been wanting him out for, it seems like, two years now. They said that yeah. he's being retained next year. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot. I feel like a lot of people uh, hate him more than they love him. Yeah. And then if we go by the other Andy Reid product, I'm kind of thinking to myself, Ron Rivera. But there's some guys, like myself, I like the guy. But there's a lot of people that are like, okay, besides that one season with Cam Newton, what are you? You see the you know. trend of like these great, Big-time coaches, they don't make great products. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just sort of different for everybody. You know, sometimes you have guys that sort of have the Peter principle applied to them where they just reach a point of this is their maximum competence as an offensive coordinator or something like that. And then it just doesn't really work out whenever it they take over a team. <laughs> so, yeah. Just dies out, yes. Uh, one thing also is uh, it, it's kind of different in other sports, but uh, have you noticed that some uh, former players, they're like, hey, this guy would be a great coach, and he's one of the greats, but because he's not relatable to the other guys, it's like, hey, why are you struggling? I don't get it. I don't understand. Because of that, he's not great at his job. It occurs mostly in baseball, in my uh, opinion. But the fact remains. Right. So, we'll keep an eye out for the coaching carousel as it continues to spin. But that's going to take a little time, because we're still in the midst of this season. And that's more of an off-season sort of thing. But now let's talk about the weekend that was in the wild card round. We'll start out in Buffalo. Buffalo was involved in the first wild card game of the weekend for the second consecutive year. But this time, they got off the schneid and they took down the Colts. There you go, Bills Mafia. Now, there were some very interesting occurrences in this game. But, due to the fact the Browns and Ravens won, Buffalo get to do it all again. But back to Indianapolis. In the second quarter of the game, Colts had a 10-7 lead, and they had fourth and goal inside the five, and they decided to throw a pass. And Rivers just missed Michael Pittman in the corner of the end zone. And I just sat there and thought, you know, all the analytics and stuff that's taken over the game at a certain point, you as a coach have to just say, no, we're going to take the points right here. But Frank Reich didn't. Reich is an aggressive coach. He always has been. But that just, I thought that was a severe miscalculation there. You know how they say you got to take the points? Yeah. 
Well, I see a lot of people do it in the regular season just because they don't want it to shift momentum by any means. It's like, hey, we stopped them on fourth down at the goal line. Let's go. Run it right up in the middle to give us a little bit of room. We're going to go for a deep pass. We're going to shove it down their throat. Regular season game. A lot of times, think about it, not every team is going to make the postseason. So for some of these teams, these games could be meaningless. It's like, hey, week 15. Oh, we're going for the points. If they're going for the points, why not in a playoff game against this competitive team that's hot? Because I think Buffalo is the hottest team to go into the playoffs. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I think they came in on a six-game win streak. I think it was tied for the most in the league. So my, my Chiefs didn't come in hot. I mean, the Browns had a little bit of momentum, but you just didn't know because you've seen this before. It was more mm-hmm. of like, a, listen, this is a good trend, but we're just not confident in the odds. So going forward, this was probably the hottest team going in the postseason. I like Frank Wright, but I gotta go the po- I gotta go for the points. And plus, Philip Rivers hasn't been. I mean, has he been that guy fourth down? You just want to shove in the end zone, try and do that deep pass? I just don't think he's that guy. Right. But, yeah, in the third quarter, it looked like Buffalo was going to pull away. They were up 24-10, to 10, but the Colts battled back. It was 27-24 to finish, and there I was thinking, you'd have taken the field goal, you'd be right there. I mean, I'd said last week on this show that the Colts were not a good matchup for the Bills, and I thought they would give them some problems, and they did. So I was not surprised to see a tight game. But as I thought, the Bills moved on, and now we'll move on to next game last weekend, which was the Rams at the Seahawks. This game was somewhat volatile let's just put it that way John Walford starts the game for the Rams he gets knocked out early on Jared Goff comes in Russell Wilson throws a pick six yeah just a strange one I didn't see the Rams putting up 30 points in this game but alas they did so question my a couple of things um Yes, I am concerned about uh, Donald. Uh, I'm not sure what the MRI results are by any means. But did you expect Goff to play this game? Because I did not think that he would touch the turf. I didn't either. And very ironically, now granted, I hope to back up. I saw that hit. I saw the him going in the ambulance. I felt absolutely terrible. I really did. Be hard not to. Yes. But the one thing is that I saw during that game is, now granted, the one thing that's nice about the regular season, particularly the last couple of games, right? And in fact, every game, what happens when you are doing something? And no matter what you do, right? Like, let's say, go, hey, we're going with plan A. Plan A is not working. What do you do? Don't you go to plan B? 
You do. Russell had no room to run. The pass rush was incredible. The offensive line that hasn't been intended to for the last couple of years, it decided to just sink, leaving Russell to attempt to swim. So what are they doing? They're still trying to focus on the long pass. If that's the case scenario, how come you're not having the short pass game? How come you're having Russell Wilson run for his dear life and try and find an open target? And you're like, oh, he's garbage. Look at the picks. Oh, choke job. What else could he do? What else can that guy do outside run for his life, pray for a miracle, and throw the ball downfield? Yes, Jalen Ramsey played a good game. And yes, there were some times where DK was open, but Russell couldn't throw the ball to him because he's being walloped. Pete Carroll and the offensive coordinator did not adjust. That's why the offensive coordinator lost his job. Because guess what? The big game, you're getting killed. You're not adjusting like you should. Bad blame on anybody. Shame on you. That was awful if you're a Seahawks fan. It's true. Yeah, now the last game of Saturday was Tampa Bay at Washington. This was a more competitive game than I was expecting. Taylor Hinkey really played well for Washington. I didn't think they would have quite the gall to move the ball down the field, but alas, they did. And they hung with the Buccaneers for a long time, but ultimately Brady... And the Bucks persevered, 31-23. And we think that Devin White on, is going to come back. Too? Yeah, but Devin White missed the game. We'll think he'll be back for the divisional round. But I was underwhelmed by Tampa Bay in this game. Really? Yeah. I mean, I expected they'd win this game by two touchdowns minimum. And not only that, but in in consideration, right? Taylor Heineke, did you hear what happened? Uh, I wasn't sure when it was. I'm not sure if it was the dive. I'm not sure if it was a contact hit after he threw the ball. But I actually heard that he separated his left shoulder and finished the game. Like he separated around third quarter and still finished the game. You got to give that guy credit. All the doubt in the world, and that guy played like a warrior. Hats off to him. Definitely. I, I didn't see Washington getting far this year. I mean, division awful and everything else, but they exceed my expectations. Now, what they do with quarterback, well, that kind of goes from there. But if I'm correct, Brady, uh, they face the Saints next week, right? They do, and we'll get to that later on. Now looking back at the Sunday games, games. yeah, we had the Ravens at the Titans. Ravens finally got off the skids in in that series. They contained Derrick Henry really well. You got to say that. Very well. I mean, they kept him under, what, under 50 yards? Yeah, I believe so. I believe he was rushed for like 42 yards. I mean, that's phenomenal. The rush stop defense that I have been waiting for all year, 
This guy just rushed for 2,000 yards. You're expecting this guy to run at you like a freight train and you stop him dead in his tracks? Mission accomplished. Mm-hmm. Ryan Tannehill couldn't even, uh, he couldn't even run in the pocket. He couldn't scramble at all. The defense was just locked down tight. It was. And Lamar Jackson had a really sweet touchdown run from 50 yards out, making moves. I tell you, this Ravens team, they're going to be hard to stop. But, again, we'll get to that a little bit later. Now, the Bears and the Saints game, yeah, there wasn't much to say on that. It was fairly slow-moving. Yep. Saints had a methodical victory, though not a very impressive one. And then we come to the last one. Cleveland also got off the schneid, taking down the Steelers for their first playoff win since Bill Belichick was their coach. So, yeah, Big Ben might have been his last hurrah, throws four interceptions. Yeah. I mean, that that first one, though, did, I mean, I, I saw the first half, and I'm not going to lie, the second half, I'm like, I got to go to work tomorrow. I'm going to bed. I know there's a couple of people that definitely threw something, broke something, possibly had to – Go uh, possibly have to go during the weekend to uh, Best Buy to buy a new TV. That that was uh, that was interesting to watch. But if you're a uh, Steelers fan, you're angry at the world. That first interception though, that was definitely just great uh, defensive coverage. That was returned for six. But, I mean, I, I blame Juju Smith for jinxing this, man, because ever since that guy started dancing on logos, and then, what, two or three days before game day, you're saying the Browns are the Browns, they're awful, they're not beating us. And I'm sorry, what? The guy had the most, uh, what, wins at Heinz Field? And then, what, you got Baker Mayfield to, uh, you know, give it a little competition, of course. Of everything going on, call it superstition, call it bad luck, but Juju put a bad aura on that team. Now, granted, Ben Roethlisberger, hey, I'm getting old here. I got bad knees, bad elbow, I'm going to need hip surgery. He played bad. Everything, as soon as you saw the fumble, on the first snap, you just knew, even though Browns are the Browns, you knew that there's trouble. And mm-hmm. the trouble never stopped. Yeah, it's definitely true. I mean, you got to give Ben some credit. He tried to engineer a comeback, but just couldn't really muster the final effort. That Nick Chubb touchdown reception in the fourth quarter, that ultimately broke their back. Yep. Kind of reminds me of the last playoff game the Browns were in, which was also at Heinz Field back in 2002. Kelly Holcomb was their starting quarterback in that game. They were up 17-7 early on, but ended up losing 36-33, I'm pretty sure. Uh 
So yeah, maybe a little redemption for Cleveland. And they will need it as they come into this weekend. Facing off with your Chiefs. So that's it's how gonna we're going to... It's going to be very interesting. And uh, I will say, though, uh, Kareem Hunt also said on social media that it's personal. And Andy Reid uh, basically tried to say, he goes, hey, man, I still respect you, everything else. And I, I hope that he didn't mean anything by that because if you remember, you know how many times, and I hate saying this, but you know how many bad guys have been signed on my team the last couple of years? You know how many bad, quote unquote bad guys that Andy Reid has dealt with? And that includes Michael Vick's return, mind you. Yeah, he has taken chances on troubled guys, but I don't think he yes. tolerates his own players being dishonest with him, and that's what Hunt did. Well, that's essentially what happened. I remember the incident before the season started that year, and I'm thinking, oh my God. Here comes eight weeks. I'm calling eight weeks. You know, because I'm I'm just assuming the worst, right? Mm-hmm. But sure enough, it could have been straightened out early on. He could essentially you turn yourself in, right? And because of his talent and the starting role, blah, 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 I think that potentially, I'm not saying my team would have been playing the Rams in the Super Bowl that year, but... The momentum going into the playoffs that year was off right after him. You know, you have to have momentum going into the playoffs. That killed the momentum going into the playoffs that year. Because what happened? You lied when Coach Reed asked you what's going on. And just like everything else, he's going to defend this player. He's going to say, listen, is there anything I can do for you? Coach Reed might potentially be a top 10 coach of all time. And you got to respect this guy who knows what he's talking about. Also gives people these chances when they deserve it. When you say that nothing's going on, don't worry about it, and he goes, okay, I'm going to trust you, mind you, you gotta, you got to be honest because this is a brotherhood in the locker room. This isn't the NBA here. He burned his bridge, and he made his own grave that's essentially what it comes down to so if that guy is trying to slander he's just butthurt and doesn't know what he's talking about yeah i would agree with you on that and i mean i hope he could realize that the mistake he made and reform to never do it again and not hold resentment i agree but you know Ultimately, that's on him, not me. He seems to be making the most of his second chance on the field, and let's hope for his own sake that he keeps that up and stays on the field because he does have a lot to offer. Now, I remember after that Ravens-Browns Monday night game back in the regular season that Stephen A. Smith came out and said Cleveland was a legitimate threat to the Chiefs, I didn't really buy it at that point. Still don't, honestly. We saw the Browns' defense, and it is, you know, patchy at best. Because after absolutely dominating in Pittsburgh early on, Big Ben was able to find holes in the defense and rally the troops. Granted, the Browns might have Denzel Ward back this week, 
and if so, that will be very helpful for them. And if Miles Garrett has a whale of a game, and he's going to need to, because he is their only legitimate real pass rush threat, he'd have to disrupt Mahomes every would have to go right for Cleveland to pull off an upset. I really don't think it's likely. Even with that vaunted running attack that they have in Cleveland and the vulnerability the Chiefs have to the run, I still see the Chiefs pulling this off 34-20, something to that effect. The only other thing I'll say on this is that Kansas City kind of looked like they were toning it back toward the end of the regular season because they'd already had everything locked up and just so many different weeks they were just getting by in these one-possession games. They've had a week off. Do they have that sense of urgency again when they come out in this game? Even if they don't, I feel like their talent difference is enough that they can overcome that. What do you think about this one? Well, if I may, it's very frustrating in my opinion because if you see your team, think about one of the top five teams in the NFL, and a lot of people rate them higher than a top five, but depending on the week-to-week, depending on what team you barely beat, because if you remember the clincher in Atlanta, they only won because they somehow blocked that kick. If they don't, this goes in the overtime. That should have not been an overtime game. Let's be right. honest. So my only thought is that towards the end of the year, they were playing at the level of the team they're facing. So right. they're like, okay, we're going to have inconsistencies today. Yay. Yeah, no, not yay. That should be a blowout. Is the fix in with Vegas? What's going on? Because we shouldn't be struggling against the Falcons. Shout out to the Atlanta Falcon UK lads over there if they're listening. But that just infuriates me. So if you're going to have all these teams, right, and mind you, the Falcons have the fifth overall draft pick, I believe. I believe, you know, four or five. It's four or five, I'm pretty sure. Whatever the case may be, right, if you're a really mediocre team, you should be walking over them. No ifs, ands, or buts. Your starting quarterback is in there. Your starting lineup is in there. Okay, Clyde's hurt. You're giving him some rest. I get that part. But a running back shouldn't be the difference of this being final seconds deciding winner. Tie game? Overtime? Or miss the kick? That should have never happened. I was furious. Mind you, I celebrated a little bit afterward, but watching that game was painful. We're inconsistent stop in the run we have all year last year in the playoffs we held guys like king henry but you're going up against one of the best running back duos in the nfl and chubb and hunt ironically mm-hmm. and if you're wondering about miles garrett the offensive line is hurt and it's almost in shambles right now there's two bad sides of the kansas city team the offensive line And I would say next is the linebackers. Running back, we don't know because we don't know what Le'Veon Bell is. And Clyde's a rookie, and he started off hot but then started to die down. So with that being said, I think Cleveland does have a chance. 
I'm not saying this is going to be a high-scoring game my team wins. I think this is going to be closer than most people think. Granted, the three weeks, read when he's got bye weeks, all of that. These guys have had preparation. I want fresh legs from Hill. I want Kelsey because, you know, he takes a lot of contact, even though he's got the size for it. I want him fresh. I want the offensive line better. I want them intact. And most of all, I just want the defense as a whole, particularly the pass rush, because if you remember Frank Clark last year, he only played like half a season, you know, injury, illness, whatever the case. Mm -hmm. I just want to see the Chiefs that I saw last year in the postseason. Am I going to see that against the Browns? I don't know, but I could hope. Right. I couldn't hot, help. Hot team versus a team on a bye week that came off relatively not great. Yeah. Being optimistic, I'm a little nervous, <clears throat> being honest with you. Yeah, I mean, there are some favorable matchups that go Cleveland's way, but I think Kansas City is just overall better and they should win. But granted, I did get a little bit of 2011 Packers vibe from the Chiefs kind of toward the end. Remember the 2011 Packers after they had won the Super Bowl? They came in to the divisional round. They were 15-1. and They had a first-round bye. And they lose to the 9-7 and New York Giants, who go on to win the Super Bowl that year. Granted, the Giants were also a very <clears throat> hot team at that moment, and they were a bad matchup for the Packers. The Giants nearly beat the Packers in the regular season that year. I am not saying that it's a complete parallel situation between those Giants and these Browns. I'm just saying there are some similarities, and like I said, I still do predict that the Chiefs' talent will ultimately prevail. Are you sticking with the Chiefs as well? I'm sticking with the Chiefs. Okay. I'm not going to go against my team entirely. I'm just being hopeful, just hoping for the best. And like I said, I don't think this is a walk in the park. I don't think it will be either. Now let's move to the next AFC matchup. We got Baltimore, another red-hot team, going to Buffalo. Obviously a team that was playing very well coming into the postseason. I think the most glaring matchup about this game for me is Buffalo's defense they are a small fast unit and the Ravens are a big grind you down type of running attack it just seems like a real mismatch for Buffalo and I don't see Josh Allen scoring enough points to be able to overcome it this time I'm going with the Ravens. Really? Really, really. Huh. My only thought going into this is I'm kind of looking at it and I'm trying to I'm trying to get a couple of details here just so I could uh share this. I'm trying to go off of uh, statistics from the Bills Colts game here. Now, we know that the Ravens are a rush-heavy team. Yes, we do. 
And I'm actually very impressed that they held Jonathan Taylor to underneath the hard yards on 21 carries. But mind you, Naheem Hines had six carries for 75 yards. Mm -hmm. During the goal line, they were able to stop stop it. They were able to stop the run. My My only thought is, going into it, if they could stop the rush with confidence, they're going to have to have Lamar throw the ball. That is a great secondary unit. And there's it been is. a lot of complaints by even the Raven fans themselves that this wide receiver core is not great. Now, mind you, Des is a lot younger than what people portray him as. I mean... They, they portray him as this guy that's pushing 40, but he's actually only 32. Correct. Shocking, it. Shocking, is it not? Well, I guess it's just because he was out of the league for like three years, so people just well, have injuries, this image. Yeah. Yeah, it, just yeah like for some reason, uh, I didn't think of it. Nope. But yeah, they think of him as like an ancient guy. And like, oh, what do we want this guy for? He's pushing 40. He's 32, maybe old for a wide receiver with all these you know, great talent showing up there running four fours in the 40 yard dash, but the guy still got stuff in the tank left to offer. And he's showing that now he's not being targeted much, but still. So you have one of the best tight ends in the league. And then you have this wide receiver core with, you don't know what you got. And you also don't know what you got at quarterback. When Lamar throws the ball, he is a scrambling type of quarterback. Mm-hmm. So will they obviously are going to, you got to put a spy on him, otherwise he's going to run all over you. But outside that run where he ended up with scoring 48 to the house, really the Titans looked really uh, good against him. But the few times that they didn't have the spy intact and they had him throw the ball, I mean, Lamar went 17 out of uh, 24 attempts, 179 yards, and one pick. And then 16 carries for 136 yards on the ground and a touch. I think if they make uh, Lamar throw the ball, I think it could have some bad news. I'm really, uh, I'm really just trying to figure out what's going on, and we all know that Marcus Peters only has like two or three highlights a year. One of those highlights was last week with that interception, and they danced on the logo. You know what? I'm going to go Bills here. Okay. Yeah, I mean, Alan Diggs, been a great connection. I also wonder if the weather is going to – play a factor here i think if it's a wet day with some precipitation that would favor baltimore but if it's a sunny day like it was against the colts that might favor the bills who have more of that downfield passing attack the peters versus stefan diggs matchup that's going to be one to watch a lot of great things going into this game two contrasting styles this game is must see I'll go that much. Oh. oh, get this. There's a chance of snow for Saturday in Buffalo. 
And you know how Buffalo is Canada Junior, so when they say snow, oh, it snows. So here's my ordeal. Do you think that if it snows, do you still have faith that Buffalo retains and we're still picking them to win? Or do you think that this is going to be one of those... I remember when the Colts were facing the Bills uh, years ago, and I remember for... uh, I remember they were kicking field goals, back-to-back field goals, and they used their cleats. They kicked the snow off so they could uh, find a place for the holder. <laughs> I remember Vinatieri uh, curveballing one in. Is this going to be a rush attack game if it snows a couple inches? Yeah, I think that's going to be Because if so, be this could important. be a very big uh, Ravens advantage. If it snows you got to be scary of the Ravens because every time when there's multiple inches of snow on the ground, it, if your elite rusher is playing, he's scary. True. And I'm going Ravens regardless. But, yeah, definitely another storyline to monitor as we head into the game. So let's move on to the NFC now. The aforementioned Rams are going to be going to Lambeau Field in what could be another winter wonderland as they take on Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Presumably, Goff will be better than he was last week. However, weather conditions are not going to be favorable for him, I would imagine. That said... Last week in Seattle, Cam Akers rushed for 131 yards... The defense played out of its mind, and you thought, this is a team that could go win in the cold. They finally look like a team that could do this. But now, like you mentioned, Donald's probably not going to be 100%. Granted, I still see him going out there, barring something unforeseen. I just, I don't have a lot of faith that the Rams are going to keep this up. I don't know if Goff is going to be able to keep the Packers' defense honest. And you know Aaron Rodgers is just locked in right now. 48 touchdowns to only five interceptions this season. He is a man on a mission. Ever since they drafted Jordan Love, he has been just balling out. And he seems to do just fine in the cold throwing the ball. So... Between all that, I like the Packers in this one. I really like the Packers in this one. I'm looking up if there's anything going on. And uh, it seems like uh, even though you go through protocol, if you saw that uh, last uh, part where Donald got injured, he tried to sack Russell, and essentially Russell rolled on top of one side of his ribs. And you saw him grab it, and you're like, oh, no. That's trouble. That's scary. So, essentially, uh, he just goes, my side is just sore. I'm good, though. So, it looks like, now, I think it would be a crazy story, and he'd be like, it'd be like one of those J.J. Watt stories where he just goes, hey, you know what? I'm going to do the best I can. I'm going to consult doctors. I'm going to rehab, I'm going to ice, I'm going to do X, Y, Z, and I'm going to go out there and give it my best. Now, where if it works or not, I don't know. 
And also, he says he wouldn't mind playing in the snow at Green Bay. Well, also, let's just be honest, he did go to the University of Pittsburgh, right? Yes, he did. Born in Pittsburgh. Let's see. Pittsburgh, snow. Oh, bring it on. If only, if only, right? The snow games I just like watching. Maybe it's just me. But regardless of the fact I'm kind of going plus or minus here, I got to give this edge to Green Bay. I think the second hottest team uh, of the year. As far as struggles, I think the only struggle or question mark I had was that game where they jinxed themselves against Tampa. And outside that, I love the run game. I think Jalen Ramsey's going to be on Adams, which Adams is the best wide receiver in football right now, and that's without a contest. I think he's going to have to defend more on his uh, other wide receivers, where if that's uh, Scantley, Valdez Scantley, or if that's Lazard, or Lazard, sorry. Or who knows, maybe there's another wide receiver I'm not thinking of that's going to be a target for him. I, I just know this. If you're going to be playing uh, DraftKings, FanDuel, or fantasy football in general, do I think Aaron Rodgers is going to have himself a good day? Yes. What wide receiver to pick? I do not have a clue. I do not have any sustainable answer to that. <laughs> good luck, though. Yep. And then our last game of the weekend is going to be battle of two very old quarterbacks that has been poked fun at by Gronk and others. Bucks at the Saints. You have Brady, who's coming up on 44 years old. Brady, who's also, or Breeze, I mean, who is also over the hill. Going to be duking it out for the third time this year. Now, the first matchup was in New Orleans, won by the Saints. I think a lot of people expected the Saints to win that because abbreviated offseason for Tampa Bay, so many new pieces, I didn't think they'd have it all down, and they didn't. I was expecting Tampa to take the second meeting, but the Saints obviously blew them out of the water. At the start of the postseason, I had the Saints making it to the Super Bowl out of the NFC. And frankly, I'm not going to back off of it now. I was not particularly impressed by either team last weekend. The Saints just looked kind of lethargic. And, you know, the Buccaneers seemed like they should have won by more, but they didn't. So I'm going to just keep rolling with Alvin Kamara and... Home team, New Orleans Saints, right now. Even though the Bucks might get Devin White back from the COVID list, even though he is an excellent linebacker and potentially one of the top five contenders for Defensive Player of the Year, I still think the Saints will take it. Maybe 27-21, something like that. I, I hope so. I don't want another Brady-filled postseason. I mean, you know me. 
If I if I don't have to see this guy again, I'm perfectly okay with it. You, like I said, you know me. When you live in Connecticut and you hear this guy's name, there's some people treat him like a god. I can't stand it. So I, I really hope that the Saints really just win this one. I don't care how much, just win this game. I think they have the tools to do it. And the difference is uh, the Saints had their problems uh, early on this season where it goes by Tampa. Uh, sometimes the wide receivers are inconsistent. I mean, the defense is good. The prob- The thing is with this team, you just cannot turn the ball over. That's what Breeze, Kamara, and company have to make sure of. Do not turn the ball over. Remember to execute. And any time that you are facing Tom Brady especially, take the points or it's going to bite you. Yep. And another thing to keep your eye on for this game is going to be the health of defensive end Trey Hendrickson for the Saints. He reached double-digit sacks this season. He was limited in practice with a neck injury. Saints defense overall is very good. They were top five in both points and yards against this season. So, regardless Even of his status... those uh, knuckleheads on there. Yeah. Regardless of his status, I'm going to roll with the Saints anyway. But yeah, this will be another really great game to watch. I'm definitely looking forward to it. Quite honestly, there's something intriguing about all the games this weekend. I do think that Tampa-New Orleans is the best matchup. The Ravens, very interesting to see if their ground and pound will keep it going against the high-flying Bills, and obviously we got Mahomes and Rodgers who are must-see TV in their own rights. So yeah, you had all the home teams. I had three home teams and Baltimore going this weekend. We shall see. Going to be a great weekend of football regardless, and we'll be back to talk all of it over with you next week. Any closing remarks, AJ? Well... (laughs) I got none, although just can't wait to see more. I mean, I'm nervous, as you can imagine, but who knows what we're going to find. We might we might notice, uh, hopefully we get a couple of uh, all-good shows, and hopefully there's not a, well, it's always going to be crazy, but there's the good and bad crazy. Like, did, do you remember uh, that wide receiver, uh, Wims? Remember he got suspended two games for... Sucker punching that uh, defensive back from the Saints. Yeah, I do. You see him drop that touchdown in the end zone? Yep. Do you call that karma or what? May not be a Buddhist, but yeah, that made me believe. Hey, where if you believe what religion or not, you're all thinking the same thing. Come on, dude. You're killing me. And I think that's a good way to end it. Fair enough. All right, so on behalf of AJ Torres, I'm Josh McSwain. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. All right, I have not paused the recording, and momentarily we can just go into Texans Talk if you want.